Good afternoon, everybody. You're now live on the Middleman Radio. This is the Middleman Talk Show with your boy Al. And this is Kevin. And this is Jen. And this is Nick. Getting mm. slid on in. Right. I almost did it. Golly, I almost did it. <laughs> you just slid right on in, huh? Hey, but hey, on, before people? we get started. Before we get started, I just want to send a happy Father's Day out to, you know, our guys, Kevin Gordon and Nicholas Eaton, man. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, oh, man, happy Father's it. Day. We hey, appreciate it, man. Full government, but I appreciate it. Yeah, I like, I like how you call out my full <laughs> name. Yeah, I mean, what is hey, somebody I'm, looking you for? You know what I'm saying? Why not? <laughs> What's your name, God brother? Mike. If you don't... <laughs> Oh, FBI. You're right. Like, you know they are. Right Ain't nobody looking for them. Right. You don't okay. know. I mean, I mean, look, man, I try to bring in some positivity at the beginning of the show. Now you're trying to throw a little curveball in my positivity, man. I just want to wish I had the father oh. today, man. Hey, Listen, I man. Brother. I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you, brother. I'm just saying, though, it's, it's kind of, you know. I, I ain't gonna Jen, call out you your whole name because you know I, I know your whole name. Jen, how you doing? I'm doing quite well. I am. I'm doing quite well. I had a great Juneteenth. Um, I had a great time yesterday laughing at the Trump rally. Um, it was good. This week we got to be blackity black black black. That's right. Yeah. Hey. What? There were some folks that really were upset that uh, that June that we have Juneteenth, just because they just learned about it. Ain't that something? Wait, right? Yeah, yeah. Y'all, yeah. y'all oh my gosh! Talking about we Look all at some of these new sites. Now y'all want to take over June? Man, get out of here! Um, I mean, those people legit mad, and it's like. Just because you learned about something that happened 155 years ago, you know, the problem is I think most of them are mad that we actually are free. That's, <laughs> I think that's the problem. Right? I mean, like, you got enough. Like, y'all got Black History Month already, and then they mm-hmm. think that they gave us Kwanzaa, so they feel like, oh, now you that's have enough, enough and you're supposed hey, to be satisfied. Jen, Jen, Jen. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Don't forget. They don't, don't know don't about forget. Kwanzaa okay, yet. I can't, I, can't, <laughs> I can't wait for Kwanzaa this year. Ooh, I'm telling you now. If you think they mad now, if right. you think they mad now, 
We will not bring in the new year with those Mick. I mean those people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and speaking of those people, man, uh, I guess Trump was really uh, disappointed this weekend, wasn't it? Oh, man, yeah, let me tell you something. <laughs> Shout out. Hey, look. On this show in the past, we have yes. given Gen Z, the Zoomers, we've given them a lot of grief. But shout out to Gen Z. Shout out, man. Because they trolled. They, not only did they match the petty of Donald Trump, they exceeded it. He just knew he was going to have a million people there. And they were like, nah, player. They even had a stage for outside. They had a stage. Right. They had pets, glass. They had a whole outside thing set up that they had a scratch because nobody was there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? You know, this is the level of petty. Y'all remember when 50 Cent bought all those front row tickets to John oh, to no. there? And with <laughs> Cold-blooded. That, what this, this, that's that level of petty. <laughs> Right. You know, what, what, exactly hey, what one thing I wanted to know, like, did y'all see Herman Cain and the rest of his black, the blacks at the uh, rally dancing to Michael Jackson? Yeah, I saw that video, man. I mean, boy, they was cool. They said they, they, they said, you know how everybody got that one family member that they keep in the attic and or they keep in the basement or the back room <laughs> in and the, only in little the no, that damn. My family don't do that. What the hell? <laughs> Wide open. Man. So what Wide did they open. hide? They hide. That's them. That's all the black people there. That's them. That's the one that everybody hides. Well, wow. Herman Cain definitely should have been hid, man. Because I mean, buddy, everybody with him, everybody that was with him did not have rhythm. They looked like some idiots. And I mean, dude, they was acting like the, the people around them was getting more entertainment off of them than the whole rally. The whole audience looked bored. They said people were leaving like while he was speaking, that it was very boring. Um, I listened to it just to hear what he was going to say. It was very 2016-ish, um, very, you know, race-baiting. He sounded like George Wallace, almost. Um, Wallace? But it, did it, you it hear sad. the collective groan? And I think this is something that's very interesting nobody talks about. When when he mentioned how he wanted them to stop doing the testing, did you hear the groan coming from the crowd? That part was really interesting. And I don't think I don't think a lot of people like really just tuned in. They just kinda like, wait a minute, player. Right. You really did just suppress all these tests. It's a very real thing for people. And and he just uh I don't know. You can never tell with, with, with Trump voters, but I, I know that they didn't particularly like that. Mm. And I think, that they, think people that are tired. I think that they're tired. Yeah. Even the typical Trump voter, that one that mm-hmm. you know kind of ignored some of his antics in the past, um, but just went along with him. There is an unrest in this country, and we do need someone to rally people, to try to unify people, to try to get people to come together. And his message didn't have any, like, you know, um, it, it, it rang of division, not unity. 
Um, and it was very sad. He even said a racist comment towards Asian people. He called um, the coronavirus, he called, what was it, the Kung Fu? Kung Fu virus? Yes, Kung Fu virus. Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. Um, just sad. Just really, and, and you know, it's it's so sad. It's funny. I mean, it, it's just you you can't help but laugh because it seems like it's it, it's a satire, but it's our reality. Right. Yeah. Now, are you guys um, are you guys aware of the dismantling of uh, Voice of America, where um, Trump and his associates have fired all of those um, um, people that headed Voice of America and for those who are unaware of Voice of, Voice of America, Voice of America is an international nonpartisan news uh, broadcast organization mm-hmm. that you know explains what what what's going on across the world, right? So we can have like genuine news that is going on from across the world without any you know political skewness towards it, right? So Trump has this this meant this disbanded it and also put his people in play over it. And so now, if you remember, like a month ago, Trump was saying that Fox News was out, right? He was going to find his own media outlet, right? Now he has it. Well, I think that was the plan from the beginning. I've I've, I've said from the very beginning that I don't think that Donald Trump um, ever planned to truly win the election. I think that he wanted Mm -hmm. to use it as a catalyst to drop his new network that I think yep. that's honestly what it was. And here's the thing, which you have to be very careful about is that could still if he's out of office in November, we could very well still see that in 2021. That's correct. Just a full-on Trump network. Mm-hmm. He's even that pulled back correct. a lot of his support of Fox. He's been very critical of Fox uh simply because they actually have some people over there who are willing to at times mm-hmm. report the truth. So, right. Right. So, so we'll see. But yeah, but uh, oof, something to talk about for another show as well. But uh, we definitely want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Middleman Talk Show today as well. Uh, if you guys checked us out last week, uh, we had a great show last week, Allies or All Lies. You can definitely go back and listen to that show on the um, on our talk show page as well. You can download it on um, any podcast um, app as well. Let us know what you think. Send us a message in our Facebook group, The Middleman Talk Show, as well. Follow us as well. Uh, but on to today's discussion. HBCUs, still essential to the black culture. So historical black colleges and universities are institutions founded before the Civil Rights Act of 1964, serving primarily African-American students. Oh. Al, is your mic off? Yeah, I think he went out right there. Go ahead and take that form, Nick. Why do I have to take it all the time? <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> he, has, he has all the show. Now. I got my mic fixed. Hold on. I'm back. I'm back. That's I'm about back. to I'm say. Back. My mic yeah, leave. <laughs> my apologies to our listeners out there. So, Title of today's discussion, HBCU, Still Essential to Black Culture. So as I was reading earlier, I was talking about how the HBCUs were an intricate part of our community that gave us an opportunity to attend higher education where most predominantly white institutions did not allow us to enroll. 
right? So currently, uh, there are over 100 HBCUs today. So what we want to pose today, are HBCUs still relevant to black culture? With the limited funding and alumni financial support, can HBCUs compete with predominantly white institutions for research grants, also to academic and athletic prospects? And how can HBCUs survive in the future? What, can, what impact can a youth social justice movement have on them as well? What are some ways HBCUs can continue to increase their connectedness with the black community? And also, will there be an increase of enrollment in HBCUs during this time, and also will we see an increase of our top uh, athletes attending? Also, too, what are uh, what are some ways in which people who attended PWIs uh, can also support HBCUs? We definitely want to hear your thoughts on the discussion today. If you would like to get in on the conversation, you can dial 516-387-1542. The number again is 516-387-1542. If you would like to uh, comment or ask a question, press 1 on your phone and we'll definitely get to you. So let's go ahead and get into uh, this particular discussion, Nick. Um, Jan, well, Al, Al, before, Al, before we start, uh, we had a caller that he wanted to get in because he also heard our fir- uh, first off monologue. So he wanted to comment on that and also he wanted to talk about HBCU. So uh, right, we have Piante. Uh, from the Midwest, so we're gonna go ahead and bring Piante in. Piante, you're welcome, for, and thank you for calling the Middleman Talk Show. You're live with us. No, your topic is of always interest that I've had for a long time, going back to the '70s, that it applies to education of African American uh, children. And uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm supportive of HBCUs, but the problem that it, they are having is that the black children that are enrolling coming out of these elementary schools aren't prepared. It may not be the sole problem, but it's a big problem. And thus by your professors never have the opportunity to extend the education that they would like to bestow onto these children. And that has to be addressed. You know, the reports of, say, like the high schools in Baltimore, where you had 13 high schools or a total of over 3,000 students in the high school that took the state math test and only 14 uh, passed that test. That has to be changed. And right. No child wakes up in the morning. morning. I'm sorry if you're not no there. There's going be less a problem with the HBCUs and more a problem with the public school system. Correct. Well, see, but the thing is, is that it's a big family. Uh, them students that's coming through the public schools and wanting to go to the, the HCB, the Historical Black College and Universities, aren't prepared because they weren't prepared, and that has to change. We have to the uh, people at that level. It has to be more uh, uh, programs that's uh, designed in order to get the best out of these children. You know, I often say that if you can have these combines and these uh, basketball camps where you're taking children through drills to see who can run the fastest, throw the furthest, and jump the highest, well, the same thing should be done in order to see what inner ability the third grader has and then give them a regiment of courses and work that would help perfect their skills so they can go on right. to the higher demand, uh, you know, professions. 
So, so you, you uh, mean in reference and, and you to know, things like the STEM summer camps that Xavier University, Southern, Alabama State, Tennessee State, Clark Atlanta, and Morehouse do? Morehouse something, is a good, along the a line very good. Yeah, Morehouse is a very good institution. Gotcha. But we need to have we need to have a research school, a research institution that's working closely with. You know, that's what's in demand. Now, I understand that uh, Tuskegee... Very similar to Fisk, Talladega, and mm-hmm. uh, and Clark Atlanta. These are programs that you do if, realize that these are programs... If they're that doing... But, yeah, but the you know... The, here's the yeah. thing, and this is the reason mm-hmm. I say that. Because, again, this is a function of public school. And what, and what I truly get a little irked, and apologize if I got a little torque on this, is that HBCU should not be responsible... For fixing the problem that I'm not saying it's their responsibility, but you're absolutely right. It's at the the public school level. That can happen whether that can happen whether they go to an HBCU, a predominantly white institution, community college, four-year institution, or trade school. So it's not just incumbent Mm -hmm. upon the HBCUs because these are programs. The things that you're talking about absolutely exist, and a simple Google a Google search would would find it. I just I just wanted to point that out. Hey, Piante, uh, we do thank you for your call. We're going to make sure we don't run out too much time today. We're going to go ahead and go and get into this conversation. But if you would like to get back in, uh, go ahead and press that number one to take yourself out of the queue and uh, press one again to bring yourself back in. Guys, go ahead. Let's go with the uh, conversation. So before we start, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it kind of started off that way because I did want to bring up a couple of things. <clears throat> when we talk about HBCUs, number one producer of black doctors in the nation. Number one producer of mm-hmm. black teachers in the nation educates fifty yep. percent of African American teachers and forty percent of African American health professionals. Seventy percent of African American dentists and physicians earn degrees at HBCUs. Forty percent of black engineers, forty percent of black members of Congress do not sit here and act as if HBCUs do not take children, which most HBCUs who do have open enrollment policies take those at risk teens and turn them into upstanding citizens That's right. in the community. That's so right. I just want to go ahead and put that out there because right. factually he was incorrect. Factually, HBCUs do those programs. Factually, HBCUs do that research. And more often than not, what we don't talk about is how many white students HBCUs educate for free that seem to forget about it once they become alumni. I just do not like when someone starts off so inflammatory and would essentially blame HBCUs of the problem of the public education system in this country. That's right. So I just wanted to put that out there. And we also got to think about this too, man. Like the educational system has been defunded several times. And then you also got to think about the disparities across, you know, different states and different um, areas within the states that do not have those particular resources for those children. And so, yes, Nick, it goes back to the education department. We gotta, you know, change those things. We gotta put the right people in there. Uh let's go ahead and bring in our next caller, um, E Red from Easter. How you all doing? Doing, doing well. well. Doing well. How you doing, brother? All right, all right. I'm a Alcorn State alumni, um, from Mississippi, currently living in Houston, Texas. Um I'm glad um, those stats were covered because that's exactly what I was. I started standing up a little bit in the house when I was hearing him talk. Because um, <laughs> I, I was just like, what? Like, it, 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 you can't play the blame because, like um, someone um, mm-hmm. just, uh, mentioned, those same, those same students 
can go to any institution, can go to any trade or whatever it is. So when you're dealing with the importance of HBCU, mm-hmm. you already understand who we are and who we, where we are living in this time. We're dealing with pass down trauma, dealing with just trauma off top. So one of the more important things, one of the most, one of the one important thing, I don't want to say the most or the more. One important thing is um, feeling 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 safe where you are, right? Because we always bring up statistics on how a child um, how a child does academically depends on right. whether they have they had a good breakfast, have they mm-hmm. did they get any mm-hmm. sleep last night? So understanding that right. comfort and that peace. On the campus, it, it translates over to the same thing when we get adults. For some mm-hmm. reason, we, we like to throw those stats around about children as if their life stopped after 12th grade. No, Correct. all these same things are important. Um, and even understanding that, you know, I'm somewhere where, you know, I'm going to have to too much worry. We'll have to worry about anywhere because crime happens anywhere. Um, I... I hate when when stuff happened at HBCUs at times, and I I can laugh about it, but I hate when stuff happened and it's like, oh, they're fighting right now over there, or you know, like mm-hmm. stuff don't happen everywhere. Stuff happens everywhere, but um, public, like someone mentioned, public schools. If you're gonna talk about that, let's let's deal with the foundation of where they're coming from. And I heard right. someone say, at risk youth, I always tell people, I'm a at risk adult. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I came from you. Translated over, also, also a graduate of HBCU, their own two businesses as well. So you, you're dealing with that. Another important factor is I have a I have a niece that um, that's going into education, um, and and she's at a PWI. And what mm-hmm. I explained to her was I I always encourage them to do what you want to do because I don't want to I don't want to pull your dream away from you. I can talk to you about HBCUs if you still want to go. That's 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 your choice. Because I'm gonna let you make that. I'm not. I can talk to you about it, but it's still your choice. Mm-hmm. Um, what I what I explained to her was a lot of people don't understand either. So when she graduates in education in a, in a few years, right? The amount of money that she's paying at the PWI versus her finishing the same degree at an HBCU when she get out, that pay from that job is gonna be the same. Mm-hmm. I don't care where you come. If you're coming from PWI, they're not going to say, oh, you, you went there, I'm going to pay you a little more versus somebody that went to HBCU. You're in education. So you got to look at that thing, too, because if you come out and you make $56,000 a year, that's what you make, and I don't care where you graduated from. So it's it's a lot of little small things that I think are, are very important when you're talking about HBCU, the comfort. Um, if you're going out right. to certain degrees, I understand you go to certain places because it may be accredited, it may be a little more especially how corporate America is, they look at that, they see you coming from a PWI, um, a certain one, then they add, they'll pull your app fast. I understand, I get the system, I get it, I understand it. But sometimes you got to weigh a lot of things when, you, when you're going there because when you give those stats like someone just gave with the number of doctors, most educated. So you, when you look at that and you're still looking at HBCU versus the PWI, you got to also say, well, this stat is showing that, you know, we, we're still leading the country in so many different areas when it comes to certain things we're talking about professional um being being in professional world corporate america whatever it is versus going to pwi like you can still accomplish a lot of these things um going to hbcu now when you're talking about sports somebody tagged me in because they told me i've been preaching this for years um young young kid that 
mentioned that he might want to go to HBCU. Um, I think he graduated two years, like number three kid coming out of high school. His rank, he was actually number one, I think. I think his ranking dropped two, two, two steps since he, since he said that and come out, right? So when you're looking at that, people are going to follow you no matter where you go. Magnet right. HBCU, Dumb right. Driver HBCU. Summer, when you back in the day, all of those big names that were coming out because you know we were we could only attend HBCU. All those all those Hall of Famers, they went to HBCU. Some of them first ones, right. all mm-hmm. them HBCU. Mm-hmm. So did. I well, think that's that's that you touched football. on a really important point. Um, just because when you talked about comfort, I think we discredit the fact that a lot of us, a lot of us experience from a young age from K through 12 a lot of racial trauma. I remember when picking out of college and my dad giving me that exact same talk saying my dad used to teach at Alcorn uh, but giving me that same talk to say hey you know you're not going to have this worry. You can concentrate on your studies. You can have fun. You get to be a real college kid without this extra layer of worrying about I'm the black one. And yeah. I, I don't think that that's, that's, that's out there a lot for kids that that experience is, I don't know, it's, it's, it's priceless. Um, the comfort in that, that you are amongst your people, that you're learning mm-hmm. things and you're experiencing things that you would never experience at a PWI. Never, ever, huh. ever. Um, it, it's very important for your psyche. I think it was important for my self-esteem and my self-awareness right. of who I am. Um, it, it was it was cultivated at an HBCU. Yeah, and also, so, you said, go ahead, Bart. Well, well, I was just going to follow up with Jen. Um, you know, speaking from you know my experience as well. You know, coming up, my father, my aunts, you know, a few of my uncles all attended HBCUs. I was able to tour those campuses as well. Um, but what was put into me was just go to college. It wasn't where mm-hmm. you should go or. Um, you should look here. It it would just make sure you go to college. And that's what I did. And I chose, you know, at that time, Mississippi State was the college that I really wanted to go to. Um, but I was able to tour those different campuses and stuff. But I don't know if I had a conversation like you had, Jen, as far as, um, you know, the importance of what you can get from HBCU, which brings up this next question. What are some ways which we can continue to increase the connectedness uh, with the black community around our HBCUs, so so our children can you know develop a higher interest or a higher knowledge about all of the HBCUs that are available out there. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I think that one thing that is detrimental is that we don't have shows like a different world. A lot of black kids went to HBCUs because of a different world. Yeah. Um, the TV mm-hmm. show that was so important yeah. and it showed a lot of kids who had never even heard of an HBCU or never heard of frats or sororities or even the life that goes on on an HBCU campus had ever been exposed to that until they turned on their television and saw a different right. world and a lot of them were looking for humans <laughs> and didn't find it but they were you know <laughs> um, ready to go to an HBCU because of shows like that we don't have that type of shows going on. I think the closest thing, and that was in a negative, BET did College Hill, which only showed kids fighting. Um, But but besides that, we don't have those culture-important shows like we did before. We don't have those all-encompassing ones. 
so we do have, you know, we have some reality, like Alabama State has uh, uh, has had at least three reality shows for uh, the Mighty Marching Hornets. Uh, you have shows like The Quad on uh, on BET, which was mostly about the uh, about the band. So there are some very niche specific ones, but in terms of just an all encompassing show, I mean, really and truly, if you look at it, one of the only shows that that is a that's actually about college life in general mm-hmm. is yeah. college or grown. I'm sorry, it's grownish. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, it's Grownish, which is an offshoot of Blackish, which I felt mm-hmm. like there was. I don't want to just say that Kenya Barris did a disservice in that, but um, he had the opportunity to send uh, Zoe's character to an HBCU. And as a matter of fact, really the only coverage of the HBCU there was when the son, Dre, went to Howard for like a couple of days and then left. So it's like the HBCU and the importance of it was kind of skirted over because when you look at it, Kyle, uh, uh, Blackish is one of, if not the most popular shows about you know African-American life that's on right now. And I think that, mm-hmm. I, I think there was a, a, a missed opportunity there um, in, t- in terms of, of stressing that importance and actually the diversity is there because that's another time for me. That's when I learned that you know what, all black people aren't Christians. All black people aren't Democrats. I, I went to school with Democrats, Republicans, Independents. I went to school with Jack and Jill kids. I went to school with people who had just scraped by to get to college. I, you know, I, I went to school with people, international people. Again, I went to school with quite a few white people. Like, it, and, and you know, but for me, it was seeing the biggest thing that I pulled culturally from it is that black people are not just one type of people. And I think once we stress that, just a little bit more, particularly with our younger generation, which is why I talk to my my oldest daughter and her friends about this is a conversation that we constantly have. You know, yeah. so it, it, I, I think the, the this it's the small it's the small details that are missed in that conversation right. now because you did something like that in a different world. E Red, would you like to um, add add to that as well as far as you know what do you think uh can continue to increase the connectedness um, without HBCUs and the black community. Um, mentioning mentioning a different world was, was very key um, because it's those things that were in the media um, when we couldn't, when we weren't going necessarily to the campus to visit and things like that. You got know, to also think mm-hmm. about um, how well, I'm, I'm 37, so I also used to see um, step shows and stuff like that on, right. on TV. Right. Um, so all of those kind of things, because they're used um, the Greek, Greek. Uh, I'm also a member of Capital Opportunity Incorporated, so we are. Yep. We know we're used to um, recruit. So it, it's you. That's what it is. So just that one little day sometimes for high school day and stuff. That that's fine. But also making right. sure that you are in these schools when it, we have enough people a full a full recruiting team at each school. I know it's a couple of what I'm talking about full out recruiting. Um, going right. to the high school at every every campus that you can get into to talk about it, um, making sure we stay connected with our alumni that's in the schools to make sure that they also are connected in their local chapters to make sure that they can push it while they're in the making sure the presence is known. People always talk about image. People always talk about image, image, image. Make sure that your alumni, especially the, the educators, make sure that do something extra for the educators that, that will come. Um, make sure they have flags, all kind of stuff to put up in their room 
you keep putting this image in a child's head versus what they want to see push from a PWI because you're also talking about sports is a big thing. You're not going to turn That's on right. TV see, see HBCUs every Saturday. When I sit down, I'm seeing, I'm seeing all kind of stuff, HBCUs. I'm seeing all that on Saturdays. I'm not seeing HBCUs unless I'm getting up going to a game. So you have to make sure that the students are seeing that. Uh, make sure that the coaches that that's in the schools, make sure you're putting them in contact with direct people that that working with teams. So it's a lot that the people on the ground can do versus depending on everybody from the school to recruit. You can do some of those things yourself. Stay connected that way. Make sure that um, you're doing something for these schools because it's one thing to ask them to come in, but you have to you have to give and give and take. Go to these schools now. Hey, you go, you go some gear from Alcorn, and you all put this. There's a lot of little small things that we completely skip over. Um, but I keep going back to image and media because that is the that's where they are. They, right. They, I agree, they, and I think that one thing that you touched on is that you know a lot of times people are attracted to PWIs because of the glitz and the glamour. They students them to be off the chains. They have all kind of crazy dorms. And sometimes for the HBCU, it might not be that glitzy glamour. But we have to instill in our kids the worst that they'll get uh, is far more cooler than the McDonald's and the students. Yeah, right. And, and the, I'd like, I'd and like the, to say that there is a McDonald's in the student center at Alabama State University. I just wanted to go ahead and put that out there. <laughs> well, bad example, because there was a big play at Hampton YouTube. But, I, you know, like, I'm just saying, you know what I'm talking about, especially the dorms. You know what I'm talking about. My my freshman year dorm looked like a prison uh, sale. So, you know, and then when I went to UGA to visit my girl, one of my girlfriends in her dorm, it looked like something off of, Friends. So, you know, it's very easily to get manipulated by the glitz and the glamour. I, I can give you a personal story of that, and I know we're going to move on to the next portion of the, uh, of the topic. But when I my senior year of high school, you know, I always knew I came from an HBCU family. My uh, my grandmother attended Dillard and uh, Xavier. My parents actually met at Dillard. Uh, my sisters went to Clark Atlanta. Jackson State, Southern Alcorn, I mean, you name it, you, you run the gamut on it. So it, for me, to Jen's point, a different world. But in addition to that, all the yearbooks that I used to see from Dillard and Clark, uh, and, and then school days. We can't forget about school days. But right. I remember when I was going around and I was I was doing my auditions, I had an audition at uh, University of South Alabama uh, for their uh, music program. And I went in, my mom and I, we toured the campus. And uh, I, I was this close to maybe switching because she was, we saw the dorms and she was like, this is a big campus. You're going to have to probably bring your car, which for me was a big thing because in my family, your freshman year, you didn't bring a car. You, you did not have a car your freshman right. year. And, and I was right. like, wait, I might get to bring my car? Yeah. But then I was like, you know what? That, that's a, it was a conscious decision for me, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I'm thankful to see the growth in Alabama State and see – that the dorms are amazing, that the facilities are amazing, the programs are amazing now. And I, to be a part of that uh, is, is something that, and a part of that legacy, and to see that growth is something that I can always appreciate. Uh, we do want to you know, remind everybody that the phone lines are open, 516-387-1542. Hit that number one. If you have a comment, we'll go ahead and get you in for it. 
But um, I, I want to get to the funding portion of this. And, and, and Kev, I think we got mm-hmm. a clip, uh, one of the clips from uh, from one of everybody's favorite movies, School Days. <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead and play this clip right here. You are tuned in to the Middleman Talk Show. There we go. This man had a vision. And that vision was passed down to his son, Hayward. Mission College was founded to educate the sons and daughters of slaves. You don't have to recite our history to me. Now, we have been and will continue to be grateful for the support of the Snodgrass family. The food is getting cold. All right. Hold it. I've got something else to say. This is a new day. There is a feeling that the predominantly black college for all intents and purposes has outlived its usefulness. Over the years, it has been vital to our elevation in this great country, but the need no longer exists in an integrated society. That's absurd. It does exist. It exists at Notre Dame and Yeshiva, Brandeis. At Brigham Young. Now you tell me, what is the difference? You want to know the difference? I'll tell you the difference. The difference is that the Catholics alone support the Notre Dames. The Jews alone support the yeshivas. Mormons support the Brigham Youngs. Who supports the black colleges? I'll tell you who. The federal government and, and, and philanthropists like Snodgrass. Harold, why won't blacks support Spelman, Tuskegee, Morehouse, Howard? We do. Barely. Look. As chairman of the board, I was sent here to talk with you. Now, he does not like this divestment mess, and I don't like it either. Now, you better snip it right here at the bud, or I will. Because if you don't, you stand a good chance of losing them. There it is. Yeah, people like them don't like to be told what to do with their money. Old, old money. All right, that was a clip from uh, Spike Lee's School Days, which... uh which kind of gave me a very, I'll get into what my view of what an actual pledge process for a fraternity was on another time. But let's just say it was a a surprise. I'll I'll say that much. But it it does bring up a a point about funding. We already know that we have to fight largely um, with the federal government in terms of equal funding for HBCUs versus uh, PWIs. And the thing about it is because the, and it's, it's, it's an atrocity that state-funded schools, a school in the same state, can be funded yep. differently yep. even though they're both state-funded. Mississippi, Mississippi State gets a different level of funding than Jackson State or, Alabama State, or uh, Alcorn State. The same thing in uh, Alabama with the University of Alabama versus Alabama State or, in, in, or Alabama A&M. And it's one of those things where it's just like we have to deal with that one way, but we also have to look at it from the standpoint of alumni giving. Alumni giving averages between the the, the 103 uh, active HBCUs is the alumni giving is less than seven percent, and in some cases less than three percent. And that's something that we have to address because a lot of times schools are closing because of funding. Just in our lifetime, we've lost 
St. Paul College, Payne College. Uh, uh, Morris Brown has Morris a Brown. very story. Mm-hmm. What's going on with Morris Brown? Thank God they're still open yeah. and they're still right. they're still yeah. pushing. But it's a hard road back to the top. And they didn't lose their accreditation because of the quality of the program. They lost the accreditation because of the mismanagement of funds, which is the reason that they gave. But it again brings back a completely different set of issues of what do we do in terms of funding when we have lit- limited federal funding and alumni financial support. How do we compete with PWIs for those research grants and the mm-hmm. academic and athletic prospects? Because that, that, you know, right. again, you know, integration took all of our athletes, a, a large portion of them, went to PWIs for those same reasons that Jen explained earlier. You know, so it, it's what do we do now? Does anybody have any suggestions in terms of what we can do with the funding disparity of HBCUs versus PWIs? Um, well, I mean, Nick, the thing about it is we have to more so get our kids to recognize that these schools are a great opportunity, a great choice. Um, it seems like a lot of times, like we're all taught from the beginning of understanding higher education that a PWI is where you want to go, like Jen was saying, because of the glitz and the glamour of it. Um, if you're from our, our area of Columbus, Mississippi, we had Mary Holmes. If you ever visit Mary Holmes, you actually thought you were in the projects to a degree. Um, if you ever visit Bethune-Cookman in Daytona. Now, mind you that the professors are equivalent to any PWI professors. Absolutely. But a lot of times as far as um, getting the funding and getting the monies to be sent back to those schools, we have to increase the enrollment, I would imagine. But but I think the problem reaches back a little bit different. So we look at Harvard and we look at all these big PWIs and you see all this alumni money pouring in, and that's because it's a lot of old, old, old beginning of America time money who sends their children there. They inherit these positions in big corporations and they continue to – um, send back for the purpose of legacying their children into those corporations, I mean, into those schools yep. so they can have mm-hmm. an easy time, so they can graduate and they can continue on their legacy. I am hoping mm-hmm. for the future that maybe that some of that will happen now, but this goes back to what we talk about all the time where we started out the race behind the line and they started way in the beginning. So we look at our schools and we call them poor. Maybe they don't have things up to par, but we didn't have hundreds and hundreds of years of legacy money to give back. You see now a lot, you see them all the time on YouTube, I cry every time I see one. You see now more than ever a lot of our alumni that graduated from Clark or Hampton or Howard or Spelman or wherever that come back and they give back to the students or they pay off their student loans. The more that we do Mm -hmm. that, the more that that person who has that, you know, uh, cyber, you know, uh, cyber uh, corporation or whatever, and they go back and they pull up one of those kids and they sponsor one of their ideas or they they go back and pay off their student loans. We will climb out of the hole. But we as a people need to understand instead of sometimes criticizing our HBCU, know that we started way behind the starting line, and that a lot of our the the PWI counterparts they started way ahead of the game, hundreds of years ahead mm-hmm. of the game. That's true. Again, I think the other part of it is again the disparity in the in in the in the state funding. 
because I get it, and and there is when you talk about Harvard. And, and Stanford and Yale, yeah, that's a lot of old money. You're talking about Harvard, that's seven presidents we're talking about right then. You know, my issue is why on God's green earth does Kennesaw State get more money than Savannah State? That makes no sense yeah. to me. Like, that, to, to me, that's where the true disparity lies. Because you can't tell me, we can talk, we can have to talk about Harvard and Yale all day, even though I will say Howard's debate team decimated Harvard three years in a row. So did. But so that's did. a whole other story. But you can't tell me that South Texas College, with an enrollment of about 1,000 to, 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 to 1,500 students, should get more funding than Texas Southern. It just does not make any sense. It is a racial divide, and it's, it's a disparity that happens purely because Texas Southern is designated as an HBCU. And there's no other way mm-hmm. that you can tell me that publicly funded schools, they should not get equal funding. If that's, you're sending that's, that's a right. million dollars right. to Kennesaw State, mm-hmm. then Savannah State should get a million dollars. No question about yep. it. Now, if we talk about private yep. universities, that's a whole other thing. But state-funded universities, there should be absolutely no pay disparity between the two. I agree. Um, I know we have I another caller. Let's go ahead and bring him in. Uh, Bill, from Hear Me Out. Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy Father's Day. What's, what's up, Bill? Bill? How you doing, sir? Appreciate you, Bill. Doing good. Doing good. But uh, I think Nick just kind of really touched on what I was uh, going to speak on. Uh, just recently, I took a uh, community uh, college course. And in that community college course, uh, we did we looked at the breakdown for the last couple of years of how much money is dispersed uh, to each of these schools. And man, you'll be surprised just Mississippi alone because I had to, we were looking at Mississippi numbers and just and looking at it alone, man, like the fact that they're so underfunded compared to these other schools. And like, it's crazy because this, we offer up just as much as they do, even more if you ask me. And so I think that uh, we, we definitely need to, uh, I think the question was, how can we fi- get the, uh, how can we financially get connected? I think that one thing we should definitely do is to get more uh, legislators uh, in office that's going to make sure that we can go ahead and get those bills passed that fund, that, that, uh, that protect HBCUs and that get, and that's voting on this funding that's being dispersed between these schools as well. Not saying that there aren't people that's already in there at that time, but we just need more push. Like the fact that that HBCUs were able to go to the White House and Trump lied about meeting with them. No, you did a photo op with them. They came in and and that (laughs) by by every means, I'm going to be honest with you, that that made me mad. That was upset. That, That upset me because he had them to come in. They sat there and they thought that they were meeting him for, for you know, to, to get the ball rolling. He can't, he didn't even come in. He sent Pence and, and, and uh, what's her name, DeVos, uh, in. And, and they just, you know, did a fo- couple of photo ops. They asked, they asked them questions. The, the president didn't even get to ask them a question. And then he, he walk, they walk into his office. He walks in. He sits down, takes a couple of pictures, takes a couple of hands. And the meeting was pointless. I think one of the presidents, I want to say it was Dillard's president. I may be wrong. Don't, don't quote me on that. He, he actually wrote it. Well, it wasn't him because I think they have a woman president. But anyway, somebody came out with a statement and was state, basically saying those exact same things. Like the whole meeting was a sham and like it, it was pointless. Another thing that I think um, that, that HBCU should definitely do uh, to kind of get connected uh, is definitely kind of focus in on some of our black 
uh, our black people that can write these grants to get these grants in, as well as don't be afraid to ask these these big corporations that say they won the world. Because these people, ha- they have a certain amount of money that they have to give out every year. So why not take advantage of that money? Because those PWIs are doing the same along with alumni giving. And that's one thing that hurts the small HBCUs like you have. You have Rust and you have uh, 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 you have Kahoma and you have these other these small HBCUs that are hurt because alumni giving is not where it's supposed to be. Well, I do think that one, and I appreciate the comment on that, Bill, I think one of the ways that we can do is an expansion on our programs that are offered within HBCUs. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. I do think that depending on the college, there may be some, there may be too many majors and, and, and not high-producing salary majors, but a way that we can connect, because I think oftentimes, and I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine that was a truck driver, and uh, he said, you know, I hear all the, the, the Democratic debates, and they're talking about anytime they bring up black people, they immediately go to HBCU funding. I didn't go to mm-hmm. me. I don't have a connection there. You know, and, and I think in a situation where you have colleges like Virginia College and Ashworth Colleges that in addition mm-hmm. to their associates, bachelor's and master's programs, they also have trade programs. And I mean, when you consider, yeah, we probably do need to incorporate some of those trade programs because it does yeah, endear that person who gets that trade from that school yeah. to the college just a little bit more. You know, you should be able to go there for medical billing and coding. You should be able to go right. there for uh, dental assistant, paralegal studies, those types of things. And I think when we open that up, just a little bit more with our HBCUs, we can establish because we left a lane open for these for-profit colleges mm-hmm. like Ashworth and Fortis mm-hmm. and Blue Cliff and all of them to come in. And when you go to those colleges, when you go to those campuses and those online programs, you're seeing a lot, a lot of black people in there that are trying to get that medical billing yep. and coding certificate. And we mm-hmm. missed an opportunity to endear them not only to a, a, an affordable trade, that can get them started in their career. Right. We also missed the chance that they have the they should have the, the same rights as alumni that got their bachelor's or their master's or their doctorate. You know, and I think if we start to do that, we can see an influx of people that are saying, you know what, I did go to Alabama State and get my CDL. I did go to Alcorn and get my medical billing and those and coding uh, certificate. You know, but I think that is one of the big ways and more immediate ways that we can start doing that. They have to incorporate those right. programs because attendance in college is over is overall is down. That's across the board. Yeah. That's PWIs and HBCUs. But much like everything else yeah. in America, when America catches the cold, black America catches the flu. And in a situation where enrollment yeah. is already down at HBCUs, now, right. again, we've allowed these other schools to come in and put these programs in that our people are going into and swoop up those potential alumni. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I, do, I, agree. I think especially, especially during the during the virus, I think that because, that, you know, me working in the Southwest, I mean, you know, I see how some people are dropping ACT scores and they're lowering their GPAs. And I know overall uh, that is affecting uh, the, the enrollment at HBCUs. But I, I really wanted to share my unpopular opinion really quick. And, and this is no hate toward any HBCU because I went to work. And, and I, I love every HBCU as an extended family, even if I didn't attend there. But I think that we have to stop allowing people to look at, um, at certain HBCUs and think that they're helping the overall thing. And, and, and it's not. I, 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 like, for instance, I know you all seen the, inf- the information about Netflix's uh, CEO giving uh, mm-hmm. money to, uh, right. to uh, mm-hmm. Howard. 
Now, n- nothing right. against that. I have nothing that's that's fine. But at the same time, there are other HBCUs that are like the right. Fam U, and, and right. you know, like why 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 focus? Every time it's like every time something big happens, or it's like, oh, well, we're gonna donate to this school here. Oh, because you know why? Because yeah, you do have a good amount of white friends that go there as well, which is no problem. But at the same time, there's other HBCUs that need that funding as well. And I think that I think that we we have to as a as, as a community, we have to help them understand. Listen, these aren't just the only HBCUs that's out there. It's other HBCUs that produce these these doctors, mm-hmm. these politicians, you know, and all these these architects and engineers and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, but, I did see uh, that. To, and to, your, to your point, go ahead. Not to cut you off, Nick, but to your point, Bill. I, this may be a bad analogy, but when I think of like when I see those, you know, donations coming from, you know, I guess you would say wealthy white people. Right. Um, I look mm-hmm. at it as how uh, some white people don't know who Morris Chestnut is. Right. That means mm-hmm. that they don't right. really know about those other HBCUs like that. They only know about the ones who have the media or attention or like you said, their friends went there. Right, and so right. that could be the case, but I definitely agree with you. Uh, you know, Bill, there are others out there that you can donate to and really, you know, have a a, a greater impact. A greater impact. But the the, the black know, ones, um, the black ones do, Al. I'm sorry, because uh, do you remember a couple of yeah. years ago when Dr. Dre gave 35 yeah. million dollars to UCLA? Yes, yes, I agree. Let's be honest, and we had UCLA did not need 35 million dollars. From Dr. Dre, and right. I can't tell that man what to do right. with his money. But what I can say is that thirty-five million dollars would have completely pulled Morris Brown out of the hot water. They would have created an entire exactly. program in his that, name. That is correct. For music, that is correct. for music technology. For that thirty, mm-hmm. for, for half of that, and and hell, they would probably would have renamed the school to the Andre. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Right. But you know, I, I, for me. It's the ones that went to these HBCUs and know. I appreciate the money that Oprah gives to Howard and Morehouse and Spelman, but you graduated mm-hmm. from Tennessee State. Yep. Tennessee State needed that money just a little bit more than Morehouse does. Tennessee State needed right. that money just a little bit more than Spelman does. And I don't want to turn this into because I think the infighting it, it does it, but I agree with Bill to an extent because yeah, a million dollar, one hundred twenty million dollars from Netflix CEO. If you would have spread, you literally would have had enough money to give every HBCU at least a million dollars. Yep, a million, million dollars, dollars at yep. Tacoma mm-hmm. or a million dollars at Bishop State Community College will go a hell of a lot farther than at Howard. Yes, for real. And if it's real. really about, if, it, if it's really about, okay, investing in the black community, then we need to be looking at it from a holistic standpoint. That's real. Yep. I agree. I agree. I totally agree. So what are your thoughts on, um, you know, how can, you know, others who didn't attend a PWI, like what can we do to support HBCUs? Adopt one. Adopt an HBCU. Listen, mm-hmm. ad- adopt an HBCU, mentor a, a student at an HBCU. I tell people all the time, you know, Roland Martin did not attend an HBCU. He attended Texas A&M. But... Roland Martin has probably raised more money over the years through his various media outlets than a ton of HBCU alumni put together. 
adopt a HBCU just because you did not go there. Because see, here's the thing: I, I, it, we, you know, we're almost around that time of year where I start seeing on Facebook, "Oh man, I wish I went to a, a HBCU." And you say mm-hmm. that because we're gonna get to the part where homecoming's coming around. You know, it, everything about HBCUs is not marching band and football. It's a big part of it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Right. It is a big part of it, but. That's not all it is. So it's one of those things where it's like, hey, adopt one. If you take, let's let's. If everybody that's listening right now took ten dollars a paycheck, that's twenty dollars a month, two hundred and forty dollars a year, and donated it to an HBCU. Whether it's your, I like I donate monthly to to my school, but I've also donated to Allen and Oakwood, Jackson State, Alabama A and M, even though they're our rival, FAMU. Like I, I have donated to all of them because I recognize the importance of it. If you think about it from an alumni standpoint, let's say you have fifty four hundred. I always use this particular number: fifty four hundred alumni of a particular university to donate ten dollars a pay period. That's Almost one million dollars a year in alumni mm-hmm. funding, just from ten dollars a pay period. It has to be a concerted effort. And I think. Uh, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, and 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 by the way, I, I must put this out here. Some some people may agree disagree with me, especially these people that work in the alumni office. People listen. Money is not the only way you can give back, okay? And I, Nick, Nick, he 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 touched on it earlier. But listen, going back, speaking, mentoring, touching the lives of somebody else until you're able, or even well past that. But you know, being able to go back and mentor somebody through college, or you know, help them through college, that that's investing as well. And you you implant in their mind that you know, hey, while you're going through this now, go get ready to to, to so you can plant a seed in someone else's life. And then that's how you continue to give back. The money will come. It's going to come. You just continue to do what you do. I promise you it's going to come. Like you just – it's other ways you can give besides money right off the bat, especially to like the new alumni, you know, those those people that's fresh out of college and people already down their neck time of some give back. Listen, it's other ways you can give back as well. You can, right. you can donate pantry items to, to the school or something like that. Anything is it's always ways you can give back. Hey, would, do y'all think it would be a bad idea to maybe take kids on field trips to the campuses, like uh, if they're part of a summer program or maybe once a year, you know, the school reach out to, like, local schools or area schools, those, maybe an hour away or less, bring them to the I campus, those, show them the school. Those, I think those that's an amazing idea. Ideas. Yeah. I think that's an amazing yeah. idea, Kev. Matter of fact, on Monday – my oldest, my oldest daughter, she uh, is going to be doing Jackson State's uh, virtual band camp next year. Mm-hmm. She's going to be mm-hmm. at uh, at Alabama State summer band camp and their summer STEM camp. You know, my my after my freshman year of college, I went to my church that summer. I said, Hey, listen, I want to do uh, um, an HBCU fair. Can I use one of the building one of the buildings? one of the rooms, and they were like, sure. And I called every college. I had them send information down. I put everything out. I had applications, brochures, the whole nine. And and, and so, I, yeah, everybody should definitely do that. And I, I'd like to put that on our all our Divine Nine. I'm talking to y'all right now. 
I need the Divine Nine. I need black chapters of predominantly white uh, fraternities like Phi Mu Alpha and Kappa Kappa Psi and Tau Beta Sigma and, uh, and, and, and Sigma Alpha Yoda. Y'all need to do this too. Just like Kev said, get a bus. I'm, if you go to the school board and say, hey, can we use one of the buses and take the kids on a college, on a, on a college trip? They'll say yes. They don't say yes. I guarantee you they'll yep. say yes. Mm-hmm. Same thing, Jack and yep. Jill, 100 Black Men of America, the girlfriends, the links. I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. naming you specifically because these are actionable steps that we can do. Yep. Easy fixes. Mm-hmm. Easy things to do. I agree, Nick. Um, I know we wanted to possibly get into the uh, the sports uh, component of it as well. And I know we have a clip that we particularly want to play. Do we want to go ahead and play the clip? Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to play uh, Savannah State's own Shannon Sharp. You're live with the middle man. Check this out. Mello said, quote, all it takes is one person to change history. It changes college sports because you have a young black kid who is at the top of his game who decided to go to a black university. Shannon. Do you agree with Mello here? I mean, it definitely would help, Skip. If you get something, can you imagine if guys like, say, Anthony Davis or LeBron James coming out or Carmelo when they came out had gone to historically black institutions? It would definitely change. Because, Skip, it ha- I mean, before they integrated, that's where you, if you look at the first group of Hall of Famers in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, they, that's where they went. Mm. They went to the Maryland Eastern Shores and the Gramblers and the Southern mm-hmm. Texas A&M's. Uh, Texas A&M, uh, Alabama A&M, and, yep. and Florida A&M, and all those Texas Southern. Well, That's obviously, what it, Jerry Rice, Mississippi Valley, Valley State, State, yeah, right? Alcorn State, Walter Payton, yeah, Jackson, Jackson State, State yeah. right? Steve McNair, Alcorn State. Yep, right. Yeah. So that, a lot of these guys went there. Skip, I remember um, after my sophomore season, I was an All-American. I was Player of the Conference, Player of the Year. I was Offensive Player of the Year. I was going to transfer to the University of Miami, mm. and I was like, and, he was, and Coach Coach Davis. Sat me down and said, "Son, why you want to transfer?" I'm like, "Coach, I want to, I want to." Coach Davis, Coach Davis, Miami, Butch Davis. No, 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 no. Oh, Bill Davis, my coach. Oh, you're coach. Yeah. Okay, I got it. I'm if sorry. I'm not mistaken, yeah. though, what you call him was still there. Uh, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy was still there. Jimmy was oh, still okay. there. Yeah. Were they recruiting you? Yeah, okay. I was. Going, I was yeah. going to transfer to the University of Miami. Okay, and talk to the, talk right. to the recruiting everything. And he, he sat me down. He said, "Well, I said, Coach, I want to play in front of seventy-five thousand coaches. Plus, I want to go to the NFL. Ain't nobody going to see me here at Savannah State." He looked me dead in my eye. He said, son, you good enough? They'll find you. Mm. I walked out of his office and never looked back. Really? Yep. No uh, regrets. No, no regrets. The, the greatest, one of the greatest decisions I ever made because I got with people that taught me history, taught me my history, and, have a, and helped me have a better understanding. Mm. Could Every you guys imagine? It, yeah. That landscape. Could you imagine a landscape if, if LeBron did come over to a HBCU? Could you imagine oh, yeah, what would happen with, with 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 sports? I mean, wow, right? Like like think of think of think of what we had before, right? Like we had our own, you know, Negro League baseball, you know, basketball, right? Um, think about what that would have looked like right now. Because when you think about the funding, right, most schools get mm-hmm. a lot of their fundings because of top recruits, correct? Um, if all of those top recruits, like all those, you know, guys that we used to want to be like when we were little, um, you know, some of, like, like Michael Jordan, you know, what if he would have went to an HBCU? Crazy, right? Like, 
the history book. I witnessed it in real time. Look different. Man. Yeah, I witnessed it in real time. My classmate, rest in peace, who recently passed, Tavares Jackson, Super Bowl mm. winning quarterback. Yes, correct. I witnessed it in real time. To it's just like that. you said, if you're good enough, they're going to find you. And that's exactly yes. what happened. Right. Right. You and know, I there think, was a time think, that, uh, you know, it it was prestige uh, mm-hmm. amongst our people to go to our own school because of what our forefathers before them put in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the thing, even from a, from an educational standpoint, I know Jen probably had much to say about it, but her dad, you know, both of my uncles are HBCU graduates. And it's crazy that, you know, we're not instilling this. Now, you're a legacy, Nick, I know that, but it's like this should be something that we talk about all the time from a young age up to all of our kids. Like you said, even if we didn't attend one, no matter what school you went to, you should talk about it to your kids and say, hey, mm-hmm. this is an opportunity for you to, like like Shannon said, learn from somebody that will teach you your history and care about it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. There was um, a meme my that dad was... would tell you that, oh, who, I mean, he was forced to go to an HBCU. You know, my, my dad went to college before segregation. And he didn't mm-hmm. go to, it, he didn't even go to school with white people until... Um, graduate school. He was amongst the first graduating uh, blacks at Kent State. And he would just talk about the profound difference um, between, you know, all my life, HBCUs and going to school with white people and how it was so important to, especially when you are growing up and you're in those first informative years and you're 18 Mm. and you think you're an adult, being somewhere that they were going to treat you like it was home and you didn't right. have to worry about being black was so important um, to, to, to that process of growing up um, to anybody that was interested in going to college. Mm. Yep. There was a meme floating around uh, a few weeks ago, and when I tell you that thing hit home, it said, God willing, you're going to spend, you're going to have a long life. Uh, I'm about to take these four years to not be a minority. And I'm going to experience what my forefathers, my ancestors, uh, created for me. Mm. But I tell you one thing, though. When I when I first came back home, I think I went, I think I went. Maybe it, it dawned on me, like my freshman year, that I had went probably like four months without seeing a white person, which was really strange. And so, like when I first came home that first summer, I was blackity black, black, black. And I remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just I wasn't having it. I wasn't having it. It took. I, I think I had to go through a readjustment period to be back around white people, and uh, you know, uh, it, it, it took a while. It took a while. I don't know if anybody else. You know, that's just a funny thing about going to HBCU. But anybody else experienced that? You know, it was hard readjusting to being around a lot of white people and and having to, mm-hmm. I guess, code switch um, because I didn't have to think about mm. that there. Can wow. I be honest? I can't say that was the same for me, cause like first off, my wife, my high school was white as hell. Like everybody always jokes that I went to Bayside <laughs> High. Like go for it high, was just, just white as all get out. And and then to to go from go for it high one to go from a core style band to a traditional show style band at Alabama State, boy, that was an adjustment. What I will say is this: it reinforced because I always feel you know my neighborhood. Just growing up and the elders in our neighborhood, they always wrapped us in culture. So I was never insecure about being black. 
But when I got to college, it reinforced it so heavily, and I felt good. So for me, it wasn't that I had to necessarily readjust to being around, because I, I went to school with white kids, too, at Alabama State. But it, it gave me that extra boost of confidence. You can't sit here and make me feel bad about my history. I see the history of my people that's taught outside of February. I'm wrapped in the culture. I see black excellence on a daily basis from the students to the administrators to the alumni. I see it on a daily basis. And it, 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 it did help that I went to a school that was cradled in the civil rights movement. But I, I, I know that that was the experience that a lot of other HBCU students had. So it, it wasn't so much a readjustment, but it was definitely a confidence boost. You know how if your air conditioner is at the house and, you know, you need a little Freon boost and now it's a little colder <laughs> and then you feel a little yeah. better. That was the same thing. Right, it, just, right. it, it, just, it just reboosted my blackness, and it's like you're not going to make me feel bad about being black. You're not going to make me feel, oh, okay, I'm a minority in this circle. Okay, cool. I got about a month and a half left around y'all before I go back to my culture. Right. But you can't make me feel bad yeah. about being black. Yeah, my one of my yeah. best friends at the time, she had a uh, a roommate that was white, and she was going to Georgia. And I remember, Lord help the child. The the white girl said something wrong to her, and I just snapped. You know, I became Harriet Tubman and Soldier of Truth, and no. and you know, I I just <laughs> boy that relaxed to start drawing up. <laughs> And I just, you know, went on this speech about oppression, you know, but, you know, I I think that I'm thankful for that time period. And anybody listed out there that's interested in going to a cop, please check out a HBCU. Please, 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 for your own personal growth. Mm -hmm. Take the kids out there. Get those kids out there. Hey, I want to give a shout out to all the people that's listening online right now, everybody that's listening on the phone. We do appreciate you for always sticking with us coming in every Sunday. Uh, shout out to uh, Don Calypso. Uh, that's our guy right there. And uh, Chanel oh, Scott Connolly. Yeah, Don Calypso out there listening right now. Appreciate everybody that's tuning in uh, to our show tonight. And, yes, we are live. Um, we do appreciate each and every one of y'all. Um, man, I, I think if we ever do another show like this, I really want us to dive into, you know, the youth aspect of it and how we can get them more intrigued and, and get them more involved mm-hmm. in wanting to go to a HBCU, like Jen spoke in earlier of the show, the earlier parts of the show where, uh, you know, we did have the visuals. I mean, is that something that we need to reach out to our creators as far as television and, and, and film that we want to see more black colleges on TV? Yes. You know, yes. I'm gonna tell you, just give us that feel back. I'm going to tell you right now what we should do. We have got to stop reaching out and asking them to tell our stories. Fund oh, our yeah. stories. There are black producers, writers, and directors out there that simply do not have the funding for this. It's just like what Matthew Cherry did with Hair Love, which is now a uh, an Oscar award-winning film short. Get out mm-hmm. there, let's right. fund it. Let's let's find these black producers, these black writers, and these black directors, and put money behind their project. Look, if y'all everybody's sheltered in place now, stop eating Uber Eats for one week. And take that money that you would spend, that you would spend with that, and put it in a crowdfunding campaign mm-hmm. to to do these type of shows and do these type and support our people who are on YouTube doing these web series. Who are, do you get what I mean? Like it, there are ways to do it, but we at this point we have got to stop 
asking when we come together and we put our minds and our dollars together, we can make a big difference, which is one of the reasons I want to shout out the Facebook group, HBCU Alumni United, which started an initiative a few weeks ago where every week they pick three HBCUs for and that they set up so that you can um, donate to those. And in the last three, this is going into the fourth week, they've raised over $15,000 for schools like Meharry Medical, Texas Southern, Allen University, mm-hmm. Southern University, New Orleans, Jackson State. They raised $5,000 for Alabama A&M in one week. When wow. we put our thing, when we put, and, and they had, and, and the, the, the giving page is public. It's HBCU Alumni Cares on Facebook. And you can go through there, and if you missed an HBCU this week that you wanted to donate to, you can just go down to the post. They're still up, and you can donate. But pick pick a school and donate. Pick a school and donate. And, I'll, and also, too, if you have you know graduating seniors, you can also go to um, uh, a lot of the HBCUs had online Zoom um uh, uh, tutorials and uh, campus viewing, so mm-hmm. your youth can actually go and view the campus virtually as well. Uh, some of those are still located on YouTube. You can just type in uh, any HBCU name that possibly has one, uh, along with virtual tour, and it should pop up. Great show, Absolutely. all right? Great show. Hey, um, right now I'm having some difficulties over here, fellas. Is there any way one of y'all can pull up everybody that voted on the Little Man Talk Show page last night? We want to give y'all a shout-out because we had people participating as soon as we put the topics up as far as what did you wanted to see or hear us talk about tonight. And this is the show that you guys chose, so we wanted to make sure uh, that we brought you some good content. So we want to give each one of you guys a shout-out. Do anybody got that pulled up, pull up on there? Hey, Hold on one second. I'm, uh, I'm pulling it up now. I got okay. you. I got so, it. Nick. All right. You got it? Yes, I got it. So we want to send a, a special shout out to uh Jamar Black, Kim Douglas, Lakeisha Edwards, Horace Hawkins, Sam Connor, Patrick Holmes, Angela uh Purvis, Deidre Marshall, LaRon Lewis, uh Tamika Brownlee, uh Danero Sanders, Donnell Evans, Jay Reed, Chaz Music, uh BM Lines, uh Tan Tangerines. Marquette um, McBride, Jonathan Duo, Tony Morgan, uh, Clay Narcisse, uh, also Cleese uh, Narcisse, uh, also Jamitra um, Anderson, Sharice uh, versus Nene, uh, Kamara Reynolds, Ree Burks, uh, Big Tone Price, um, Ivy McCullough, Fernandez Russell, Al Latif Farmer. Uh, Anthony Easley and lastly uh, Jermaine West uh, G. Katie Gipp uh, Angelique Lore Fat Baby King, Jonathan Doss Jamonte Burks, Deborah Regard and Keys Fox We definitely appreciate you guys for taking the time to complete the survey to let us know what you guys want to hear us talk about on the Middle Men Talk Show We will be posting polls uh, more frequently because we definitely want to see um what you guys want us to talk about on the Middleman Talk Show, we'll definitely have some uh, topics for you to choose from. If you have an idea or a show topic that you want the Middleman Talk Show to discuss, you can hit us on Facebook on the Middleman Talk Show page and let us know what you think. Send us those topics, man. We'll definitely go over. 
And if you're not on Facebook, oh, yeah. you can also email us at wearethemiddlemen at gmail.com. You know what? That's a lot of people, Al. Shout yeah, out is. to all of them. That's a lot of people, man. I mean, hey, we had other people vote for our other topics, and uh, this one was the one that everybody was like, let's hear about this. Let's let's talk right. about this tonight. Absolutely. So I know you got some kids out there. If you have kids that are in high school, uh, middle school, start talking to them about HBCUs. We need to support yep. our own. We see where this country is going. We know what we can do when we unify. We have to unify in thought process. Everybody else in this country already think that all black people think alike. So why not right. let us think alike on this topic of getting our kids educated at a facility or place that will be uh, uh, conducive to their higher learning? Absolutely. And if you're, already, if you're not in the Middleman Talk Show Facebook group, please head on over to the Middleman Talk Show on Facebook. Join the group. Uh, we, we have added over 100 members in the last seven days alone. Mm-hmm. It's growing every day. And, you know, guys, you know, I say this every week, support black media. It's plenty of platforms. These type of discussions, this one about HBCUs in particular, are not had to this length on CNN, on MSNBC, on, definitely not on Fox News, not on The Hill or Democracy Now or any of those other ones. So support black media, whether it's this one, support it by your listen, subscribe, like, leave a review, just support black media. Most definitely. And uh, shout out to my man, Big Chris. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Big Chris, um, he did the soundtrack, the music that you hear behind the show is talking over right now. Um, I want to give a shout out to him too, man, because uh, Chris Bale, dope. Y'all want to hear a little bit Definitely. of it? Check this out now. That's all y'all get. So y'all can hear when you listen to the show. So shout out to Chris Bell, Big Chris, lacing us up with that smooth music. Because I know yeah, uh, last show, uh, Nick said we had too much of an aggressive sound. <laughs> I didn't say it was too aggressive. I just said you scared the hell out of everybody coming in with it. <laughs> hey, and also uh, MaxBlackMedia.com. Uh, Nick, I need you to start promoting that. Uh, Max. Blackmedia.com. Let everybody know a little little bit about that, Nick. And so as we move, as technology moves into more of a digital uh, streaming in terms of getting content, uh, Max Black Media has emerged as, while yes, you do have uh, stations like Black News Channel, BET, things that are targeted, there is Max Black Media, which is a black-owned and operated digital streaming media service that is... um, Debuting in the next few weeks A big shout out to Dr. Avis Jones the Weaver Who is having a, a large part to do with it uh, Anybody who is not familiar with her Or think you may slightly be familiar with her She's featured very frequently on uh, Roland Martin's uh, News One Now As well as Roland Martin Unfiltered right. And so she's taken a very prominent role out, I want to say as the main host of Max Black Media So again we're supporting black media around here. And as more comes out about Max Black Media, we'll be posting about it in the Middleman Facebook group. If you know of any uh, black-owned um, businesses, hey, we don't mind y'all posting it on the Middleman Talk Show. We just don't want no spam. Uh, just right. post it on there so people can be aware of your products, what you have to offer. We want to make sure that we can um, at least share them to help each other out, grow their business and 
and it gives them opportunity to see what you have to offer. So don't be afraid to share with us. We want to see that. And uh, shout out to uh, Kent Alexander. I know he's out there listening right now, too, also. Shout out to Kent. Yeah, and shout out to our um, caller uh, who called in today, E. Red, um, came in with some great insight as well. Also, Bill from Hear Me Out and Piante, man. We definitely appreciate the wild uh, discussion mm-hmm. today and all our listeners on the phone, man. Great oh, show, yeah. man. Oh, yeah, man. Yes, sir. Next week, Jan's yeah, list. You know, We've been talking about it, it all week. Let's hey. get it. So, I, I hope you're ready. So, you know, we... we we're going to lighten it up for y'all because we've been kind of heavy because, I mean, hey, we, we're dealing with a lot. There's a lot going on. we got to talk about it, things that yep. can help make our community better. But at this particular mm-hmm. time, we're going to lighten it up. Tune in next week. You're going to enjoy it. Jen got some stuff. Hopefully, she still got some outrageous stuff on her list. Hopefully. Because <laughs> she, she, she didn't change a lot. You know, she a mama now. But uh, <laughs> but you know what? It wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be me if I wouldn't have like a little outrageous in me. So you know, I you know it's gonna stay juice. And hey, keep the kids right, out of the room for my list. Keep the kids out of the room. <laughs> All right, right. <laughs> don't forget right. Nick's list is still there. So we're gonna see oh, what yeah. the hell you're talking about. Hey, we gonna do that. Go too. ahead and hit him with the button. Hit him with the button, cuz. Okay, I, I got I got it. Hold on, hold on, hold on one second. Hold on one second. I got something for you on there. Hold on. Wait it, wait it, wait it. I can't find it. Ah, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. That boy gave a great job here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the button you want to write, Junior. Long standing ovation. You, you wanted that one right, Junior. That's the one you wanted. That's just so wrong. That's the one you wanted, Junior. Right? Yeah. Well, right. you know what, people? Well, pour you pour you some coffee or a glass of wine or whatever your thing is and sit back and just relax and get this updated Jen's list. I'm sure you'll be entertained. All right. Tune in next week. We are. We are, man. Bye.